sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hi everyone, it's Emily Dawes here. I'm a speech pathologist and researcher from Perth in Western Australia, and it's my pleasure to be here today to introduce you to the Speech Pathology Australia Developmental Language Disorder Team. The members of the DLD team are Dr. Mary Clayson and Associate Professors Suze Letow, Natalie Munro, Tanya Seri and Marlene Westerveld. The team have a huge wealth of knowledge and experience and have been working really hard over the past 12 months to develop an online learning program to help us learn about developmental language disorder or DLD. So welcome everyone. I'd like to start by asking each of you how you got involved with developmental language disorder and why you are so passionate about it. Mary, I'll start with you. Okay, Em. I got involved in DLD when I was working um, at a school for children with developmental language disorder, or SLI as it was known back then. And I became aware of the impact of DLD on so many aspects of a child's life but I also became aware of how little we actually know. And so we didn't really understand the underlying deficit, but we also didn't understand too much about what sorts of interventions were effective. And I'll pass on to Susie. Hi, Em. Um, Similar to Mary, I guess, I've worked with children with what we now call developmental language disorder all my life. And I have um, really been concerned about how, despite its prevalence, it's so unknown, both by parents, families, and even amongst the speech pathology profession. And I guess the opportunity to get involved in this project and do some advocacy work, because I see that underpins what we do, was really important to me. Natalie, how did you get involved with DLD and why are you so passionate about it? Um, Well, I think after working as a clinician for many years in schools and early childhood um, sectors and community health, I actually came back to university and listened to a talk by Rhea Paul. And at that time, it was about follow-up of late talkers and finding out that not all late talkers um, uh, end up being okay and some do and some don't. I was kind of fascinated by that. And then I looked more into SLI at the time. And, and the word learning abilities of, of kids that do have language impairments or language disorders. And that kind of just sparked my passion in, in semantics and vocabulary and then pragmatic function. So the list goes on. Yeah. Went on from there. Yeah. Tanya. Uh, I had a slightly different route uh, that really sparked my interest in uh, what was SLI, now DLD. Uh, I've been actually an adult um, clinician and started doing some work uh, with uh, young children who'd been implanted um, at that point with cochlear implant, I should clarify. At that point, being implanted at age five was was quite um, young. And when I was working there, the children were implanted earlier and earlier. So there was a lot of focus on their speech and language development. And it was actually that that sparked my interest. 
Uh, like Natalie, I then ended up back at uh, university uh, in an academic role uh, and I was horrified by the fact that uh, children in my home state at that time had to score two standard deviations below the mean to qualify for any type of funding. Uh, so, again, my passion for not just the difficulties but also the advocacy was really sparked as well. And Marlene? Yeah, thanks, Emily. I've actually always had an interest in child language disorders more broadly. Um, from the time I graduated, a long time ago, um, in sort of, you know, from clinical practice um, to um, doing my um, postgraduate degrees and um, teaching um, in, at university level. And interestingly, I am a very black and white person in a child language world and SLI to me was a beautiful, clear definition of what specific language impairment was all about. Um, but then what happens is I got invited by Dorothy Bishop. So I'm very um, happy, you know, that I was part of the um, Catalyze team. And boy, did that change the way I viewed the child language world. And I really got um, a very strong interest in developmental language disorders and got an appreciation of the huge um, variety of views that people actually had about the disorder. So, um, yeah, that's me. Lots of different pathways into uh, developmental language disorder. So, Suze, can you tell us a little bit more about what developmental language disorder is? The term developmental language disorder has been proposed by the Catalyze Consortium to refer to children who are likely to have language difficulties that will endure, that will persist into middle childhood and beyond, and importantly, that also have a significant impact on everyday social interactions or educational progress. So that functional impact is really important to consider. It's a neurodevelopmental condition, but the term developmental does not mean that you will grow out of it. It means that it arises during development. So it's those language difficulties that are likely to go over time and affect someone's ability to communicate on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. Persistence and impact. Marlene, can you tell us a little bit about what the DLD team have been working on? Absolutely. So what happened was that following the publication of the two um, catalyzed papers, um, there was a significant increase actually in questions from clinicians and researchers around the practical implications of this perceived change in terminology. So we, and this is our team, of really applied researchers interested in developmental language disorders um, and involved in educating our next generation of speech pathologists decided then to write a few columns for Speak Out. So in these columns, we attempted to address specific issues that had been raised by SPA members and the um, speech pathology community more broadly. But then we really realized that these columns were perhaps not the most efficient and effective way um, to cover some of the um, questions or the content that we wanted to cover. So we jumped, didn't we, at the chance um, offered by SPA to create an online professional development module. And now following nine months, 
since definitely since December of constructive discussions and some really hard work and amazing support from the SPA team. Um, we're getting close to finishing um, this short course, which will cover developmental language disorders from definitions to diagnosis, from preschool to adolescence, using lots of case studies and practical examples. Fantastic. It sounds like it will be really, really useful for all the clinicians in Australia and probably around the world as well. Uh, Mary, why is it important for clinicians to know about DLD? So, and DLD affects 7% of children or two in every classroom. And so that means that paediatric speech pathologists come across children with DLD every day in their clinic. It's really important that we identify them and provide effective intervention for them. And this intervention needs to um, include a focus on both the impairment as well as quality of life. And it's really important that we advocate for their needs in all aspects of their lives. Nat, did you have anything else to add about why it's important for clinicians to know about DLD? Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, for the first time in history, we've got like an international movement, you know, an international movement that's unveiling DLD, developmental language disorder. And, and who doesn't want to know about it? You know, we need more people, not just clinicians. We need, you know, parents to, to, to know about these conditions. We need um, uh, GPs, um, you know, psychologists, um, pediatricians, uh, teachers. And so, you know, I think, I think we really do need to, that's where the passion comes in in trying to say, look, we, we've, we've researched um, about language disorder for, for decades now and now we need to advocate and improve the, um, you know, the communication outcomes of children and young people that have DLD. And that means we need to involve everyone who's, who's part of that child's life. Mm, increasing that awareness, I think, is, is really key. Tanya, what do you wish clinicians knew about DLD? Uh, my colleagues have, have covered so much that's really important about what is DLD. What's really important for me, and particularly because I've focused on DLD in adolescence as part of this uh, series, um, is just keeping front and in mind, front and centre, that it is enduring. And in adolescence, um, it can appear differently. We don't see the very frank difficulties with grammatical construction and so forth that are much more apparent in uh, younger children. Um, adolescents um, are still struggling. They've often developed some very slick compensatory behaviours that might be perceived in other ways, such as disengagement, being naughty, not interested, class clown, and a whole host of other behaviours. So I'll go back to an important comment that uh, my colleague Pam Snow says, that um, all behaviour needs to be seen as a form of communication. And if, if uh, I could um, wish for anything amongst our colleagues, our clinician colleagues and, and teachers and other people that are involved with um, adolescents or pre-adolescents, adolescents that are involved with, DL, um, involved with DLD, just to be aware that these problems are persistent and just may not appear in such an overt way as they might have appeared when children were younger. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And Tanya, will there be a module on adolescents in the DLD learning program? There's an, a dedicated module on adolescence that Suze and I have worked on, uh, and it highlights not just the difficulties, both at an academic and a social level, which is really critical in uh, um, adolescence. That's one of the 
key sort of markers of adolescence is, is creating a sense of identity. Um, we also highlight the fact that um, referral and diagnosis can be very tricky, sometimes can be missed, as we know, in younger children, and teenagers are sometimes getting <clears throat> referred for the first time, uh, which means that a whole lot of difficult stuff has happened beforehand. And Susie, what is one of the many exciting things happening this year on Developmental Language Disorder Awareness Day? You mean the 16th of October, Em? That's right. <laughs> well, among the many exciting things that are happening, we are going to launch the first module in our series. And the first module is actually a bit of a broad overview module. So it has the objectives really of um, at the end of it, hopefully people would understand a lot more about the terminology of developmental language disorder. They'd be able to define it. Um, they'd explain, be able to explain and understand the criteria to identify DLD across the different age groups, touching upon the under fives and adolescents, and really understand the impact of DLD on an individual's activities and participation across contexts. So that functional impact. At the end of this fairly short module, there's a quiz. And the quiz will sort of essentially allow people to tap into their understanding of this broad, uh, the broad concepts around DLD. And then it acts as an introduction to our main modules, which will be launched, we plan, between DLD Day and the end of the year. And those modules will cover um, an uh, one on diagnosis and assessment, so the pathway to identification. And that's with Mary Clayson and Marlene Westerfeld. We've also got a module on the under fives. Natalie Munro has led on that one with Marlene. And as Tanya just said, um, one on adolescence. Following that, there will be two short modules. Well, maybe a little bit longer. We haven't quite finished those yet. And one on reporting and one on advocacy. Sorry, that sounds uh, really comprehensive and um, will be really, really useful for clinicians. And I just wanted to check that first introductory module will be free for members of Speech Pathology Australia? That's my understanding. And uh, it will be out this year, Friday the 16th of October 2020, on DLD Awareness Day. Um, and given that so many clinicians work with individuals with developmental language disorder, this is a really great opportunity to increase our knowledge and become even better advocates for people with DLD and their families. Mary, Suze, Natalie, Tanya and Marlene, the fantastic DLD team from Speech Pathology Australia, thank you so much for talking with me today and for all your hard work on the DLD Learning Program. I'm sure there's many excited listeners uh, who are just waiting to access that first module that's going to be free and released on the 16th of October 2020. Thank you. Thanks, Em. It's been our absolute pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.